0: Hi again. (laughs) Sometimes, sometimes in this life, familiarity blinds us. Disruptions to our routines, like when we're sick or the power goes out, reveal that we take an awful lot of things in life for granted. We never recognize the gift of our health until we're sick. We never marvel at how the lights uh, banish the darkness until it's the middle of the night, And we want to find our way across the bedroom and there's no power. On mission trips I've taken in the past, hot water only becomes a gift again after everybody has taken a cold shower or two or three. Sadly, our familiarity with the birth of Jesus works in a similar way. Most of us, probably all of us, have grown up hearing the Christmas story. Which means we approach the central miracle of history not with the wonder and awe that it deserves, but a sort of accustomed indifference. Most people know the basic story of Joseph and Mary and the manger. But at the same time, the story remains strangely hidden. It's set at a distance and removed from our immediate observation It's just like how we accept the color of the carpet or the walls in our homes. We accept the incarnation as part of this holiday season, as part of this time of the year, but its power and its beauty fades into the background of our holiday routines. Rather than the focal point, the incarnation, the birth of Jesus, becomes part of the scenery, Buried beneath layers of tradition, covered by the anxieties and stress of all that happens during the month of December. The facts of the Christmas story we all know, but they have stopped touching our hearts. But if we understand the details of the arrival of our Savior, we can find a picture that leads us to recognize both the power and the scope of God's love for us, of God's love for each of his children. To genuinely understand the magnitude of what happens in the manger, to recapture some of the uh, shock that most people experienced it in the very first, uh, in, uh, when Jesus was born, it's helpful to remember what the people of that time would have thought about a God becoming human. Two aspects of this miracle would have been especially hard for people of that culture to understand. We are kind of used to it. We understand God became a child. God became an infant. We're used to that. And so it doesn't shock us the way it would have people back then. So the first thing to notice is this. Mary and Joseph's own people, whose story was told in the Old Testament through Israel, would have rejected... The idea that their God, Yahweh, would put on imperfect human form and enter the messiness of a broken world full of sin and evil. The Jewish people were familiar with the promises of a coming Messiah scattered through the prophets. For centuries, they had been persecuted because of their faith. They'd been conquered by neighboring empires but they maintained their hope that God would one day come and power and rescue his children through a savior. But they didn't dream that it would happen like this. They never dreamed that their transcendent God, who operated on a supernatural level beyond their understanding, would ever lay aside his glory to enter our world as a human. Yahweh declares. In Hosea 11, that I am God and not man, there is a separation. And this spiritual separation between God and his people rested on an underlying reality. He was holy and they were not. Despite engaging in the lives of his children, guiding them, saving them, delivering them, Yahweh also established boundaries that kept them at a safe distance because no one could stand before a holy God and live. We see this when Jacob wrestled with the angel of the Lord in Genesis 32 and wondered, I saw God face to face, but my life was spared. He basically said in that moment, I saw God and yet I'm still alive. I don't know how. Jacob understood that if the Lord had not hidden his glory, if he had not held something of himself back, he would have been instantly undone. The construction of the temple and the tabernacle reflected that same reality. God promised to stay in the very center room, but he restricted his people's access to his presence. He did this not because he didn't love them, but because he valued their safety. (laughs) His room was separated by a veil, which in Hebrew means divider that hides. Their God becoming human, when against everything they understood about Yahweh and how he worked. The Jewish leaders reflect this belief later in the Gospels and how they respond to the claims of Jesus uh, in the Gospels. To say God had become human when Jesus said, I am the Son of God, I am God who has been born. That is a declaration so obscene to them, to the Pharisees, execution was the only appropriate response. Second, the the prevailing Roman culture, amongst the many other religions of that time, would never believe that any god would lay aside their power to become a mortal of human weakness and frailty. According to most traditions of that time, the gods were beings who operated above and beyond the mortal world. These gods operated, uh, they interacted with humanity on multiple levels, right? We have Greek myths uh, that tell us how often they interfered with the affairs of men and women, but these gods never once laid aside their power. They played with humanity as we might play with our pets or children played with their toys, because to be divine meant that you were in control you were never vulnerable for any god to abandon their divinity to live among humanity as equal as an equal would mean stepping into a lower form of existence which their gods would never choose but contrary to the expectations of the jewish people and the surrounding culture our God does enter our world to become one of us. He did this so we might be saved and have eternal life, not in some distant future, but today. The Jewish people, they rightly recognized the transcendence of Yahweh, and the Romans appropriately understand the nature of divine power. But both groups... Both groups underestimated the love God had and still has for his people. They did not take that into consideration. When Jesus was born in the manger, something new happens. God no longer stands far from his children, but comes into the world to be near them, to be near us, so all of his children might have life to the full. Paul describes the incarnation in Philippians 2 like this, Though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. Every other religion at the time, and many really throughout the history of our world, tell us how we might find our way to God or increase our knowledge to discover the truth holding up our reality, all the things we need to do to find answers to life's existential questions of meaning and purpose. Why are we here? Why do we exist at all? But the birth of Jesus shows us that our God comes to us first. To redeem this broken world and remake our broken lives. The profound beauty of our God's arrival, however, is infinitely elevated by how he arrives, how he comes. He doesn't come as a conqueror with angel armies, he doesn't come as a God wielding unlimited power, but as an infant, as a child. Fragile and weak, his survival, dependent on his parents as any child that has ever been born. The details that Luke provides wraps the moment in which all of human history turns, not just in the supernatural, because there are supernatural things that happen around the birth of Jesus, but in the ordinary ups and downs of human life, which is precisely the point. The divine inhabits humanity. God has come to be with us here and now. Our God comes to live amongst us, not just in our highs and lows, but in the middle of our routines as we're making coffee in the morning or we're stuck in traffic or we're walking the dog. Our God comes to be with us here and now. Notice the details here. God had not told Mary and Joseph to go to Bethlehem. Right? They didn't go because the Lord said go. They went because they were fulfilling their duty as citizens of the Roman government, which happened to be taking a census of its people. Like most parents, the Lord hadn't given Mary and Joseph the specific time and day that Jesus would be born. And so they were waiting. They went about their normal lives. They did the best they could. And Jesus arrived in the middle of an errand that their parents probably didn't really want to do. Then look at how uh, Luke says Jesus came. The time came for Mary to have the baby. That's it, she went into labor. She had a child, an infant that needed her care and attention. Joseph and Mary didn't receive special treatment when the Savior was born. They didn't go to any kind of hospital or have servants waiting on them. Our God leaves heaven and steps into the complicated joy and terror of human life. The birth of Jesus is the central miracle of human existence because it shows how the God of love desires to walk with his children here and now. And uh, writer Ann Voskamp uh, describes the moment like this. God throws open the door of this world and enters as a baby, as the most vulnerable imaginable because he wants unimaginable intimacy with you. What religion ever had a God that wanted such intimacy with us that he came with such vulnerability? What God ever became so tender that we could touch him, so fragile that we could break him, so vulnerable that his bare beating heart could be hurt? Only the one who loves you to death. The incarnation provides us overwhelming evidence that God desires to walk and to be with his children today for one reason alone, because he loves us and he wants us to live. So as we enter this new year, be amazed again by the beauty of Christmas. Don't let your eyes pass over the familiar scene without your heart trembling with joy. I'm sure most of you, maybe a lot of you, have a nativity set up somewhere, maybe more than one. My grandmother has a whole table full of them. And for a long time, when I was a kid, I would just walk by them. But then something changed as I grew up and I started to notice what was going on. What was the center of that moment? What was the center of that moment was a child. It was the infant Jesus. So look to him, be astounded by his birth, whose love led him to set aside his glory so we might live again. Hallelujah, amen.